How's it going, everybody? Here to do a morning confessions. Uh, it is just about to be 8.30. Um, not quite yet, but it's about 8.30 in the morning. On July the 25th. Um, going and seeing Oppenheimer in a bit. I'll be leaving at about 9.50 something. I like to get to the theater early so I can empty the bladder, get concessions, get my seat, all that fun stuff. Especially with Oppenheimer being a three-hour movie, definitely gonna, definitely need to, uh, you know, release the pressure, as it were. So, definitely get there early, get relaxed, uh, and set up, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm, in the middle of watching a podcast where this conversation came up, but I'm also seeing a lot of people talk about this on social social media, on Facebook and Twitter and threads and and stuff. And because um, look, I'm still calling it Twitter. It's not X yet. All right, until I load up my app and it tells me I got to install X or it's completely revamped, it's still Twitter. It says Twitter on my phone. I'm calling it Twitter. Sorry, Elon. I'm just going to say that as a, as a side note. Uh, as long as that bird's still there, it's Twitter. Um, but um, I'm seeing a lot of people say, you know, Mission Impossible came out the week before, and it's had like a 60-some percent drop. Um, you know, a lot of people are wondering why that is. Um and I just want to get my perspective because uh, I'm going to echo some of the sentiments that I heard from the podcast that I'm watching, but because I do agree with them. Um, but I, I, I'm also going to I'm also going to add add to it, and you know, from the beginning of the year, you guys can go back and listen to the podcast and hear me say there are there were th- three, maybe four movies this year. That I didn't want to miss in the theater. And I've missed one of them. Which was Indiana Jones. I've, I've, it's just not going to happen at this point. So I'm going to just. I'm, I'm bummed because it's Harrison Ford's last out as the character. I really wanted to see it on the big screen. Unless I get surprised. And you know. I'm able to go in the next little bit. It just doesn't look like it's gonna happen, you know? Like, literally right now, the only way that it could happen is if I get out of Oppenheimer and I happen to find some stray cash in the parking lot or something, you know, I might rush back in if there's a close showing of Indiana Jones just so that I can see it, you know? But I just don't I just don't have the money, you know? I'm just, just to be frank, you know? I was lucky enough that um, I had some family members loan me some money for the mo- for movie and snacks today because they didn't want me to mess up because they know Nolan is my favorite director. But if it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't even be going today, you know? And so I think part of it, you know, is like my big movies this year were Spider-Verse, which I got to saw see, uh, Indiana Jones, Oppenheimer, and Dune Part 2. There are some secondary movies that I really wanted to see. One of them was The Little Mermaid, which I did get to see. That was a secondary movie. But Guardians was a secondary movie. Missed that. Who knows whether I'll be able to see Wonka at the end, you know, uh, when that comes out. You know, that's one I really, really want to see. But 
it's just kind of a play play it by ear thing you know um hopefully if i can get a job soon you know um that'll go along a long way right now nothing has really worked out but i think for a lot of people it's kind of the same thing i think the thing that studios need to remember in and all movie fans whether you're a casual movie fan or you're a cinemaphile like i am we all have to realize people just have the mo- we all have different tastes in movies we all have different ones that we're excited for and look we're all a little you know um hard bent this year when it comes to money you know um and so we're all have we're all having to pick and choose which movies we want to see which ones we're okay with with missing out on you know i mean it just it just comes to that and look i am not at all gonna say that i'm not a mission impossible fan because look best buy just real is is in the process i think they're on pre-order i don't think they're out yet they might be out i could be wrong but best buy is releasing a whole series of all of the mission impossible movies on steelbook i want all of those i love steelbooks if i could buy every blu-ray i buy in steelbook i would you know uh they've already released what the artwork is going to be like for dead reckoning part one and steelbook you know you know me and my dad went and saw fallout when it came out which was the last one fucking loved it so it's not that i didn't want to see mission impossible in the theater but it's like if you're having to pick and choose what movies you're gonna go see and you know the thing that people are forgetting about barbenheimer at least for us cinemaphiles for casual fans they might not think of it this way but if you're a movie fan like i am barbie's being released by warner brothers which is the studio nolan used to work for Oppenheimer's coming out from Universal, I believe, because that's where his, he's under contract with now. You know, Tenet came out under Universal, I believe. This is coming out under Universal. And um, so I um, to me, the fun aspect is seeing which one, like going and seeing both movies, you know, it's sort of not exactly rival, but like, you know, it's like that whole kind of interesting dynamic. You know, we got we got Barbie and we got Oppenheimer, you know, um, and, you know, there's just there's a lot of levels to it. Plus, it's just it's it's look, I think I have seen all of Greta Gerwig's film. If I haven't, there's only one that I've missed because I know I've seen Lady Bird and I know I've seen Little Women. And I think there's another one, but I can't remember the name of it. Um, so Barbie is the only one that I haven't that I haven't seen, and I want to go support her too. Like, look, Barbie, I wanted to go see Barbie, you know. Um, you know, even Super Mario Brothers, I missed in the theater. I I didn't see that until it came out on on digital, you know. So. Again, I just think it's one of those things. People are having to pick and choose this year. And um, I think this goes to a bigger problem. And it's been this way for a while. Is I think studios need to do a better job of spacing out their movies. If they don't want to be losing money at the box office. If they want to capitalize 
on the success of each film that they release, then they've got to do a better job at spacing out when movies are coming out. You know, uh, I mean, look, no matter how well they do it, there's always there's still always going to be overlap, and it's just going to be an interesting dynamic to see which movie from which studio does better. But man, imagine if all of the the execs and maybe their assistant an assistant all got together and be like, okay, look, let's figure out when we all want to release our movies, right? You know, um, or something on that, or something on that level. I think it would go a long way. You know, uh, I mean, here's the thing. You know, I just talked about this not that long ago. You should not. People should not be. Studios should not be spending more than $150 million on a movie anyways, not including advertising. So maybe with advertising, maybe it's like, we'll say 175 with. But no movie should cost more than 175 bucks. It just, it just shouldn't. Um, so, you know, the fact that so many movies that are coming out today are, are more than $200 million, it's like... You can't expect to make a profit when you're spending that kind of money on a film. If you lessen the amount you spend on each film, you can spread the wealth more. You can make more movies and have more coming out. You could have more in your pocket, right, to release whatever you want to. Like, you can use it to your advantage in that way. But, yeah, you know, like, if you're only working on you know, three or four movies at a time, and you really, you know, and you're spending 200 plus million dollars making these movies, and then you release them, and you're maybe on a couple of them, you make your money back on, and you make profit, but maybe, you know, two of them you don't, and maybe one you're like, well, we made even, but we didn't make profit. Like, what 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 do you think is going to happen? You know, like, you know, like, you shouldn't be spending that much money on these films, but the studios aren't listening when we, the fans, and even movie pundits are telling studios, you want to make more money? That's what you want. You want money. We're telling you how to do it. Okay? Because it's not that we're not willing to go to the theater. It's not that we're not willing to spend our money. But there is no feasible way all of the movies that are coming out from all of the studios, smaller and bigger, like, we don't have the m- money as the audience to be spending on every movie. Like, the last time that I was able to go see in a full year, okay, all of the major movies that came out in the year was 2011. That was the last year. I got to see most of the movies in 2012. But then I had some personal stuff come up. But 2011 was the last full year that I was able to see all the major movies. And to be frank, the only reason I was able to do that was because I worked for a movie theater and I could get in for free. Just point blank. If that wasn't the case, I wouldn't have been able to. You know, there are too many movies that come out in a year to go see so people have to pick and choose so you know if these students would do better at spacing out when movies come out spread the wealth 
you know, um, and lessen how much money they spend on each movie. Like, look, it is one thing to have a movie every once in a blue moon where you spend $300 million on, right? You know, like, I don't know how much Denis Villeneuve's Dune movies cost to make, but, but that, to use that as an example, like, if a Denis Villeneuve comes around and wants to make Dune, and it just so happens to cost $200, $300 million per, per movie to do, then yes, you do that. But that doesn't mean every time Villeneuve or every time another director comes your way that you spend that amount. It shouldn't be the, the gold standard. It should be the exception. And that's the thing these studios forget. You don't have to spend the money to make the money. The film industry is the one part area of life for sure that you don't have to rule, use that rule f- for. You can make movies for cheap and then make gangster money on. The example that in modern day within the last handful of years, which is, which is a perfect example. Let me, let me actually look up the numbers so I can actually tell you guys the, 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 um, um, for this movie. Um, okay. So, get this. The Invisible Man, which was made by A24, I believe, with Elizabeth Moss, which, if you have not seen The Invisible Man and you're a fan of stealthy kind of movies, and I'd say it's sort of suspense thriller. It's not really horror, but it's suspense thriller. If you're into that those kind of movies and you still haven't seen The Invisible Man, watch it. I believe it came out yeah, it came out in 2020, just before the pandemic. The budget for this movie was $7 million. Seven. And look, I, I realize that not every, move, every movie could be made for that low of a budget. But this is my point. This movie was made for $7 million. Do you want to know how much this movie made by the end of its run? $144.5 million. A hundred and forty-four point five million dollars worldwide on a seven million dollar budget. And that is what people like me are talking about. The special effects look great in the movie. You know? Yeah, there's one scene. There's an attic scene. I don't want to spoil story moments, but there's a scene in the attic where the Invisible Man is. And that is the worst-looking scene in the film. It doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look good as every other moment where we see the Invisible Man in the movie. They knew how to use their budget to their advantage. That's what these bigger studios need to do. Okay? Because if you spend less money, you can blow your margin out of the water. Okay? Um, 
I don't think it's unreasonable for studios to put a limit on films. And, and look, I don't, I don't even care if you're talking about my favorite, which I don't think Nolan would be this egregious with how much money he spends on a film. But I don't care whether you're talking about a Christopher Nolan. I don't care if you're talking about a Tim Burton. I don't care whether you're talking about a Spielberg. I don't care who you're talking about. It is perfectly okay for a studio to put a limit on the budget. And if the studio is telling a director, okay, we'll make this movie, but not, but your cap is 145, 145 million. Actors, you know, background artists, cinematographer, you, everybody, special effects, that's, that's your budget. 145. You know, we're not going to spend another dime on this past this mark. And either a director can say cool or not cool. It's it's that simple. If that doesn't work for them, then they can figure out another way to make the movie. Go to another studio, right? You know, it's, it's just that simple. You know, um... Look, studio, like, especially with the strike going on right now, this is one of those situations that the studio's either going to learn this lesson the easy way or the hard way. Because they're going to keep losing money. The pandemic really, for all the bad that the pandemic caused, the pandemic really showed how flawed the film industry is and how much things need to change because when we started seeing how much money studios were losing by not being able to release films right and all of these different things once people started to look into more um you know people that necessarily didn't know about how movies were made as much you know or even people like me who do know how movies are made but to see the juxtaposition of where things are and where things should be, you know. Um, it's just one of those things that I don't. I don't even mean this in a combative way, or in a rude way, or anything like that. But look, studios are going to learn. Studios are either going to start listening to people, or they're going to keep losing money. They like the 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 regular movie going audience are showing the studios our cards. We are putting our cards on the table like, look, this is all we got, bro. This is what I have the money for. Maybe if I'm lucky, I might be able to see a couple of these more than once. Right? But I'm not... I don't have the time and I don't have the money to go to the movies every single fucking week, let alone more than once. Right? You know? And so... You know, you're only going to make the money that the audience is able to spend into the, the theater system. You know, um, you know, and even even look at Spider Verse, which I know there's been a lot of controversy with across the Spider Verse because of Lord Miller, and I don't know what to think about all that. I haven't really done any research, so I don't really have an opinion either way. But even them, they were cautious on their budget. And look what happened. They're, they, they are more than making profit on that movie. Because they knew how to keep things tight. 
And yeah, a lot of artists didn't like that. A lot of artists want to be able to take their time, but that's like, I feel like a lot of the things that I've heard about Lord Miller and problems with them are a lot of people, especially with both Spider-Verse films, are just people that don't want to be efficient. Okay? And there's no difference between Lord Miller taking the advantage for Spider-Verse edit success and Spielberg or Nolan or anyone else taking credit for their films. They're the directors. They're the, they're the shepherd. It's always been this way. Get over it. You know, no one is saying that there's not a huge group of people underneath them. They're just the shepherd. They're the face. They're the face of the production. You know, um, if you don't like that, then find a new business to get into. Find a new industry to get into because the film industry isn't going to be for you. If you're the kind of person that's arrogant and wants it to be all about yourself, this is the film industry in a lot of ways is very much a team effort. It takes a lot of people to make it. And it takes having good shepherds at the helm, like a Nolan, you know, like a Villeneuve, like a Del Toro, to really get all you can out of a film production. So that's sort of where I'm at. So, you know, look, I... But look, point blank, I'm probably not seeing Barbie in the theater. I would have loved to be able to have the money to do the whole Barbenheimer thing, but... That's just not going to happen, you know? Um, um, So, but in terms of Mission Impossible, it's like, look, you know, there is truth to the idea that more about Tom Cruise is coming out. You know, he's got his detractors and haters because of it being a part of Scientology and being weird, but look, the dude could make some awesome fucking movies. And look, I, I I will I will say this until the day that I die. Because I genuinely mean this. And if people want to think that I'm an awful person for having this approach, then I guess stop listening to my podcast or don't listen to what I have to say. Don't ask. Don't ask my opinion. But if I stopped watching every movie because there's a problematic person a part of it, I would have very few movies left to watch. I go in for the movie experience. Whether it's Tom Cruise or Kevin Spacey or whoever the fuck, Chris Pratt, I don't care. I go to watch a story unfold. And if I have a good time, that's all that matters to me. Okay? Like, and I'm not going to say that people who care about the role world aspects of things are being ridiculous because I think it's good that there are people that want to keep people in check and honorable and all that kinds of things. 100%. But I I feel like there gets there's a lot that gets lost in translation because it's like, look, for me as a film fan, I'm just going in to watch a movie. I'm not saying that I am pro or against any person, whether they're problematic or not. I'm just saying, I'm going to go buy my ticket. I'm going to go sit in a theater I'm going to grab my drink and my candy, and I'm going to have a fun time. I'm going to shut my brain off and just have a fun time. You know, that's the way I look at things, you know. Um, And same for at home, you know. It's like my favorite movie of Tom Cruise's is uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat because they keep fucking changing the name of it. Um, I love that movie. It's my favorite one of his, right? You know, 
I love Jerry Maguire. I love the Mission Impossible movies, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think people are a little bit ridiculous in that way. Again, I think it's perfectly normal to want people to be held accountable. But it's like this whole Ezra Miller situation. It's like, it's damned if you do, damned if I, if, if you don't, right? Because it's like, well, if I go see The Flash, that everyone's going to tell me that, oh, I don't care about Ezra Miller. But if I don't go see the movie, then there's another sect of people that are like, oh, so you're letting one person completely detract from all of the other hundreds of people that worked on a film. And it's like, okay, well, what what is it? Like, what is it? Like, you know, it's like, it's a lose-lose situation, you know? Plus, I'm a big Andy Muschietti fan, right? And that's another movie I missed this year. I didn't get to see The Flash on the big screen. I'm desperately waiting for them to drop it on Max because I cannot wait to watch The Flash. Um, you know? Because um, It and It Chapter 2 is my favorite movie of all time. You know? Um, but, you know, so I really want to support him. But, you know, I don't know. You know, the film industry is a very complicated business. It's simple in a lot of ways, but it's complicated in a lot of ways. The politics, and I don't mean politics in terms of, like, Democrat Republican politics, although that's a thing, too. I just mean, like, the politics of the business, the way it's worked. It, that's where things get complicated. The rest of it, just the, the, the making the movies and the, and the going and seeing the movies, and all, it's pretty simplistic. Either you get it or you don't. You know, either you're for it or you're not. And it's okay whatever side you're on. I'm all for it, right? I am a cinemaphile, and I'm going to be a cinemaphile until the day that I die. And I don't, I've had people say awful things about me ever since I was a little kid, ever since I was in middle school. I had people tell me that I was awful because I didn't mind watching movies that had language in it or sexuality or nudity. And it's like, yeah, look, I don't go to my movies for my porn. That's what porn is for, Okay. I watch movies for the story. And so what if people take their clothes off, you know? Like, even things like that. It's like, either shut your brain off, enjoy the thing, or just fuck off. You know? And, and you know, and yeah. So, I think, I think Tom Cruise is, is unfortunately, unless he ever leaves Scientology or he retires... He's just always going to be a problem to people. People are not going to leave the man alone, unfortunately. Even though he's a brilliant fucking actor, you know. And when it comes to him taking care of people on set, I've never heard a single bad thing about him. You know, he takes care of his fellow cast members and everybody on set and the crew. He's a super nice guy. And it's like, look, we all have nutty beliefs. We all have nutty things that we all believe in, you know. Like... I don't understand why we have to use this against him. It's not his... I don't want to get into the whole Scientology of it all. I just want to say it's not his fault how he's being pushed up into the into the sunlight. Because I'm sure at this point, now that he's older, I'm sure he kind of doesn't want to be in the spotlight for Scientology anymore. I'm sure he's like, can't I just do this on my own terms? You know? Like, let, let, let me do my own thing, bro. Um, but I think it's too late for that. Um, so, 
Um, and look, and you can see it, like, when he's not on set and he's doing interviews and stuff. Like, I can see a change in him. I can see him being extremely tired. Maybe it's the old age, or him getting older. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. But I, I think, I think he's tired of the crap himself, you know, um, personally. Whether he'll ever be allowed or be brave enough to say it out loud or not. I think he's, I think he's tired of all the crap. But, um, you know, he's going to keep ticking away, you know. Um, I think he's one of those people that wants to die on a movie set. You know, I think he wants to do this until he absolutely can't do it anymore. And all the power to him. But, yeah, no, I... It sucks that Mission Impossible came out the week before Barbie and Oppenheimer. But, look. It's it's just the way the business is right now. You know? Uh, they could have moved. You know? They could have figured it out and, and, and moved it to a different date. They chose not to. So... It is what it is. So, I can't wait to leave later and go see Oppenheimer. Um, as of right now, I think the rules state that it's okay for me to post a review of it. You know? Um, so, I might post something about it on TikTok, about going and seeing it. I haven't decided yet. Um, I guess it depends on how I feel after the movie. Because depending, because based on what I've seen other people's reactions are to seeing it, who knows how it's going to hit me. Because you guys all know I'm an emotional fuck. So, um, just who knows. Who knows how, how it's going to sit with me. But, um, and I can't wait. I can't wait to go see it. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys in the next podcast. Bye.